Hello, Polytopians. Thanks for tuning in to Polytopian Times. I'm your host, Sam, joined by my guest host and Quetzali fan, Colin. Hello again, friends. Yeah, and uh, today we're talking about Zen Z. So uh, Zen Z is based off of uh, Eastern Asian cultures like uh, China and Japan. In fact, uh, their helmets are uh, based off of medieval Japanese helmets. And you got those uh, red spikes sticking out the top and all. Their lands are uh, green and brown fields, again, like Imperius, that default look. Uh, they've got these Mount Fuji-looking mountains, you know, with uh, the snow caps and all. And I, I think they look really good. I like the aesthetics. And they've got those cherry blossom forests. Now, uh, their animal is the Zinikai horse. That's a white horse. And uh, the fruit they get is the Ixi fruit, which is uh, actually based off of the Mandarin orange. Now, uh, if you ever look at the architecture of their cities, you know, to help sell that sort of Eastern Asian culture vibe. You, they, they've got, uh, you know, like the white exterior with black beams and red roofs. It's uh, it's, it's really pointed. It's, it's got a very Japanese look to it. If I was going to be honest, I think that's where the majority of their influence comes from, especially when you look at the helmets, which makes sense because I get that vibe with Imperius. I feel like most of their influence is from the Romans. Like, there's a lot from the Greeks, but, like, their gameplay and everything else feels more Roman. I don't know. I'd have to completely agree with you. Even the cherry blossoms themselves, Japan is known for having an abundance of them. Right. I mean, it, they, they, uh, they're almost anime level with the cherry blossoms. <laughs> almost completely. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, definitely, definitely uh, got those vibes going on. Well, uh, on the 2019 Tribe Day, uh, Mijiwan let us know that the uh, Zinzi actually named themselves after Mount Zinzi, which is the tallest and most sacred mountain on the square. With the help of their mounts, a uh, brave few will climb the summit, and that's on their Zinikai horses, which are uh, very nimble animals. I'm assuming one of the most nimble on the square, considering how many mountains are uh, in their territory. And uh, they climb up there to uh, prove themselves worthy of the Zinikai spirit's blessing so they can make some of that uh, Zinni blossom tea which is one of the teas that they're a huge fan of. The, uh, the tea of the Zinni Blossom is actually considered the best in the square. And, uh, you know, lots of other tribes have tried to get hold of some of those leaves. They can make it up themselves. Unfortunately, according to the web shop, those leaves will wither immediately in the hands of anyone who isn't protected by the Zinni Kai spirit. So, uh, you know, it is really limited to people who have those horses because you are not going to get up the mountain to get to it otherwise. And in fact... The Zinni Kai horse is uh, a climber of really, really great dignity, according to the uh, web shop. It'll uh, delicately carry those precious Zinni Blossom leaves up the steep hills without damaging a single one. And uh, according to the web shop, if you're going to make any of the tea from the leaves, they have to be like entirely fresh, not a scratch on them. Which I mean, it makes sense why nobody else can you know make the tea. It's limited to the Zinzi because, I mean, first off, you're not going to have their horse. Second off, you probably got to go like miles at least if not hundreds of miles to get back home uh, you just you're not going to have the tea it's, it's not a dried thing that you stick in a bag like we'd think of yeah no this tea would have to be served almost immediately at that point unless you know what you're doing right which obviously unless you're from this tribe you wouldn't know yeah and i'm assuming that that's kind of the if, if that's the whole point of getting the zinikai spirits blessing this whole ceremony like uh it's it's obviously a very important ceremonial tea I, I you know i guess this is uh god do you think this is like the height of a good time in zinzi culture just going off to get that tea 
Just looking forward to that one cup. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised at that point. Uh, uh, it's, uh, that's, that's gotta be a life. <laughs> Anyways, in the, uh, 2020 Tribe Moon, Mijiwan dropped some more details on the tribe, letting us know that they, uh, have their own rituals surrounding the laying of an egg. And the Zinzi are well known for their elaborate performances while they do so. So they, they dance around while, uh, those Zinzi are laying eggs. And... <laughs> I mean, okay, so it sounds a little odd, but uh, some fun lore, actually. Um, you're a Quetzali fan. Yes, the Quetzali are known for uh, revering the birds that surround their cities. They're very large birds. Almost reminds me of a chocobo from the Final Fantasy series, except they're more brown instead of yellow. And it turns out that the Polytopians themselves, just like their birds, are complete completely genderless, and they're egg-laying creatures. So apparently all polytopians lay eggs, as strange as that may sound. Yeah, it's a little uh, little crazy to say the least, but uh, yeah, and you, just, you literally spawn armies. You just lay a batch of eggs for your next round of warriors, which is, uh, that's fun, almost a little dark in some ways, you know. I, yeah, I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, you know. It's, uh, that's polytopian life for you. But, uh, yeah, yeah, crazy stuff. So, uh... Don't lay an egg, man. <laughs> quite literally. The, uh, Zin Z like to do those elaborate performances while they're laying the eggs. And, uh, the, Mijuan went further to say that at dawn, those recently laid eggs are painted with bright, vibrant colors and mesmerizing patterns, all while a troop of village musicians play a song to ward off evil spirits. So they, they take their babies in the eggs... Paint them up like Easter eggs and then go dance around the village playing music in a parade. So, uh, I mean, that is that is one hell of a way to celebrate the next batch of warriors you're going to send off to fight. <laughs> now, last bit of uh, information we've gotten on the 2021 Tribe Moon. They let us know that the Ixie fruit is a versatile fruit that's found in the lands of the Zinzi, and they like to hand it out to traveling parties to give them luck on adventures. Which is kind of nice, you know. Uh, here's a couple of tangerines. It last longer than a decent number of fruits because of the skin. Less likely you get damaged on the road, at least. Comes with appeal. Why not? Yeah, I Easy mean, to handle. Yeah, oh yeah, it's got lots of appeal. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're uh, they're they're a fun tribe. Let's uh, let's get on to some of that strategy. The uh, the Zinzi start with climbing. Which uh, makes them obviously not one of the T0 tribes. They don't have a tech that enables them to start getting resources within reach, really. They're not, like, lined up for it. You're going to have to go with one of the three base techs, depending on what your resources are giving you. Now, uh, in your lands, you're going to have a 200% mountain spawn and a 150% metal mine spawn. So, uh, rushing for metal makes sense early on, right? Absolutely, it does. But it's expensive both to get them up and get the tech, and sometimes if you've got more hunting or you've got more fruit, it makes sense to go for that first. You know, it's, it's all a balance, and I mean, if you're on a continent's map and you've got more fish, don't feel bad about rushing fishing, because it puts you closer to sailing, and that, that could make you more competitive in the game. Uh, you're going to want to rush that tech, I feel, early on to try and get the advantage. Because, like, exploration-wise, you don't need riders off the bat. You're going to be moving slower with your warriors, but they can go on mountains and show you way more. So you're still making up for it. You don't have to buy an extra tech to cover that bridge. 
on your first, like, two or three turns. That would typically be my first move, is throw my warrior on a mountain, see what's around. Hopefully you see at least one more village you can go to, and see what they have. If they don't have mountains, maybe you can work on building them up first, and then you can get your metal working. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. you're going to want swords eventually anyway. They're a great tech. They're relatively cheap compared to knights. They're a nice base unit once warriors are no longer viable. Oh, very much so. And, I mean, it's one thing I like about, you know, swordsmen is that they are basically just better warriors, you know? Like, uh, it's the same general concept. Instead of being two attack, two defense, one movement, it's three attack, three defense, one movement, you know? You, uh, you can all of a sudden start hacking away at giants and knights and uh, defenders and whatever you really need to on the map. I mean, you can safely hit a knight with most units as long as they don't get a defense bonus. But, um, you know, you, you really start chewing away at some of the heavier units with them, that's for sure. And it, especially when supported by artillery or, you know, archers. You know, catapults do a lot of damage. And you soften up an enemy, you can one-shot them with a swordsman. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're good for holding that city you just got because uh, they've still got that three defense. Yes. Yeah. In my opinion, in the right hands, swordsmen are better than a knight swarm. Knights can do a lot of damage, but they can't hold territory very well, whereas swordsmen can both do damage and hold that territory. The big trick at that point is just getting a swarm moving. And again, yeah. knights are more expensive. Cost three more per unit at that point. They're almost better off with swords. You're just not going to be able to hit it the next couple turns it's going to take you a few turns to walk there yeah and the thing is at that price you can buy yourself an archer and a swordsman making yourself an effective part of a phalanx you can set up a like a sword wall instead of a shield wall and have archers behind that now you're both very good at offense melee style but also can weaken the enemy meaning you can really just chop up tile by tile turn by turn it's really good at conquest oh absolutely just shoot that archer hit it with the sword you moved up. Unless you're coming across maybe a defender or a giant, you're just going to keep plowing through. Yeah, yeah. Now, the one thing is, it's it's very expensive to get these techs up and swordsmen early on. Your eco's not going to sustain it. I, I get that. And uh, sometimes you're going to need to get a lot of techs to do really well with uh, Zinzi. Again, you've got imperious spawn rates with most things. The only thing you're getting a boost on is mountains of metal. So rushing that for early eco boost instead of farms makes the most sense. But like you're gonna start with hunting or fishing or organization, and uh, you know you're gonna want to work your lands up with that. And at the end of the day, you're probably gonna wind up getting all three of those relatively quickly because, like with other tribes, your resources are spread out. You're gonna have a decent amount of farms, and that's gonna be a tempting offer too. But like you were saying, if you're gonna bother going for farms or mining, always go for mining. Well, again, at that. Farms will give you construction later. That's great if you're a farm-based tribe. Yeah. These guys are a mountain-based tribe, so farmland's going to be mostly down for the most part and have mountains. Yeah. And your offensive unit, once you make the most out of your uh, 150% metal spawn rate, because uh, they also give you forges, and that gives you way more eco than a windmill does. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's really good, but um, you got to build up the base eco first, and that... That can be rough with Zinzi. It really depends on what your spawn is, if you're close to other people. Sometimes, and this is a really rare occurrence, but sometimes you can spawn in your capital and not even have a mountain in your territory. I've had that happen a time or two. That's, again, pretty rare, but it does occasionally happen. 
So you got to be prepared for that possibility. Yeah, and what that does is deny you your turn one super glance. You know, generally you have a mountain within your borders, so turn one, you can just get the expanded layer of vision. Like, uh, just pushing it out, even one extra turn can kind of hurt your later game, because now you don't know if you're walking directly towards a village or not. You, it, it, it's not the most impactful thing, but a start like that can certainly hurt Zin Z more than uh, other tribes, because that, that is your starting bonus. This is literally the only thing you're going to get is you get yes, climbing. Yes, you're better off making the most of it. Just climb mountains, walk, because then you can see the other side and see where there's a village. If you don't have any mountains, you're kind of handicapped. It's like, I don't know, uh, what's that other tribe that starts with fishing? Oh, Kiku. Yeah. It's like Kiku starting with no water nearby well, on the drylands map. You get the two tiles always, enough to level up your city as a DZ. Yeah, but. That's it, yeah. It's a I bad mean, if you're start. Kiku, you got to start Russian Navy. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you get. Yeah, it's 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 not a great situation for you. So yeah, since he's main strength is in expansion. Now you're not gonna be as fast as Umaji overall because you don't have riders early on, but you can get them fairly quickly, and you can see more than Umaji can quickly. You can go mountain to mountain. Well, think of it like Umaji's just running around looking for something. They can only move one turn at a time, breaking away at the fog of war. Yes. Whereas Zinzi can uncover a whole lot of that just by climbing one mountain. Yeah, and you go mountain from mountain and explore the whole map uh, a lot, a lot faster and uh, with more purpose to it too. And uh, that's going to be your strength, as Zinzi. What you need to do is because you're not a T zero tribe, but you do have an expansion bonus early on, is expand. Get as many of those free cities as you can. Go to those villages and claim them up. Snap them up before anybody else can get there. And try and get vision on other enemy borders early on. You want to forward settle on people. Try and claim all the villages as close to the enemy empire as possible so that they can't go past that line that you initially set up. You can take over the rest of the territory behind your forward settled shield wall at your own leisure. You just... Uh, they can't compete with you. They'd have to go through those cities to get to you, and that means they're going to have to siege them, and that's going to take a lot of turns. You can lay out a whole empire behind that initial layer of cities in the time it takes for them to take one of your cities there. That is an excellent point there, excellent tactic. And the other thing is that when you do find an enemy tribe, don't forget, most of the time you're going to end up getting a tech from them in return. Oh, yes. They yes. might get climbing off you. That's great. You've already used that advantage. Hopefully you got one of the uh, early expansion, or ecotechs, sorry, that uh, you don't want to have to pay for. Like getting hunting or fishing or organization for free is really good, honestly. I ran to Vinegar and got mining. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> really good for uh, Zin Z, that's for sure. Why not? Uh, I'll at, take it. You know, you're one of the tribes that's most likely to run into new people and get those bonuses. It, it, you know, it depends on how far you in the, are in the game. I've had it where I'm kind of isolated. And I found them later, and they gave me swordsmen. I was, okay, why not? Yeah. I guess I'll start making swordsmen. Yeah, and, and the nice thing is, honestly, on the, on the topic of swordsmen with Sin Z, you're lined up to go for mining early on as your first level two economic tech. You don't need to go farming or ports or anything else. You can just immediately go for mines and, you know, get a good bang on your buck and build up for that ultimate forge give back. That means you're lined up to have that advanced level two melee unit that probably nobody else has at that point. You can rush that early on. So when you run into someone, they can be coming at you with warriors, maybe some archers. 
maybe some riders, and you come at them with archers and swords, you can blast through that guy. They're just not ready. They have to spend a bunch of money to go through two different techs to get swords up on their end, or just rush defenders, which are they hold you back, but they're not going to... If they're lucky, they have defenders at that point, if yes. they're real lucky. But again, getting those troops out until you're right up on their city is always a challenge. Yeah. So it becomes more of a, can you get there quicker than they can build it? Yes, and I mean, as long as you've got even just archers, don't even have to be catapults, just archers or even maybe some supporting riders that can dart in, do some damage, and run back off. You know, as long as you can soften up those defenders before you reach them, you can chop through them with your swordsmen, especially if they don't have a defense bonus, as long as they're not in a fortified city. At that point, you're going to need battleships or catapults to really do the job or just completely circle it with swordsmen, understanding most of those swordsmen are going to be badly damaged at the end of the siege, but you might win it. It depends on how quickly you can just keep pumping them out. If you're late game, and honestly, tie to the swordsmen, why not? The uh, Well, yeah, and you can turn them out. But you got to be aware that, you know, a single knight's probably going to clear all that out. So your last swordsman had better be at full health when he enters that city. That's a good point. Yeah. And it's going to be easy for a couple knights to... It's it's give and take. you you got to line up your victories well. In general, I wouldn't recommend surrounding a city completely with swordsmen and using that to break that. Just get, Typically, you get don't get catapults. to that point. It, yes, you're going to want to back that up with some sort of yeah, artillery, whether it's catapults or at least some freaking archers. Yeah, at least. And, I mean, they're versatile. They have dash. You're not going to get... Any other ranged unit next to a navy that has dash. Nope. You, you know, catapults are nice, but they take a while to get into position. They're slow. That's, yes, that makes for a nice slow wave, which is great. Unless somebody happens to get a knight around you. But again, that's going to affect your archers too, so not much of a difference there. Right. Yeah. Other than attack power. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that attack power really is helpful when you're breaking through those walls. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'll take one health point off of a full health defender over no health points off. If I can line up three archers and knock you down to 12 health from uh, 15 and then have to whittle away at you with uh, three different swordsmen, well, probably actually four or five to actually break it down. I think the three would bring him down to very low health, like maybe one to three health, but uh, you'd probably still have that defender alive in the city. Probably, and if you were the enemy, you just next turn pop another defender out and slap that one to the side if you can. Yeah. Or just have him attack and then build after the recoil hits. <laughs> it, hey, it happens. Yeah, rebuild from the chaos. Um... Now, yeah, it's uh, it, it can be a little brutal. Now, uh, one thing you can definitely do is Zinzi, and we mentioned this a little earlier, is but uh, rushing philosophy early on, especially if you're on like a one v one isolated continents map, you start out with climbing, so you can move on to meditation early on. If you make that your second tech that you get, uh, it might not be an economic boost. Hopefully, you can survive off just hunting, fishing, or organization for that couple of turns but if you can rush meditation out before you meet anyone and you get that altar piece that's a level up for your city without having to invest in eco i mean that saves you six stars at minimum that's a good point i always forget that tactic of rushing philosophy because even if you just do that and you're kind of isolated you could start just buying tech left and right i mean you still have to make sure you're pumping some army out yeah at whatever you can and eco every turn too absolutely eco yeah. but Next thing you know, you're meeting people, and they've still only got maybe four techs. And two <laughs> of them are probably eco-based. Yeah. 
they might have archers and riders. Maybe. But at uh, that point you've got swordsmen and you've got defenders and you've got Yeah, you've got artillery and riders and archers. At least ships, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the really the the core thing with philosophy that makes it so golden is that literacy bonus cuz like you were saying, makes those text cops a lot less. I mean, to be specific, 33% less with the latest update at the current moment. Which is, I mean, that's a huge, huge bonus. I'll take something at like uh, 60% the cost, 66% the cost of, uh, you know, the normal price. If if you're saying it's only $66 instead of $100, that's a good deal on the tax. I might be able to buy two. And especially, like you said, a continents game, you're isolated, you're surrounded by water. You're obviously going to want some ships there. But once you have that, you can pretty much just buy those things one each turn if you wanted. But again, you got to keep your econ going. That's the biggest worry with that. Yeah. So you can't, can't get too sucked into that hole either. Yeah, navies will destroy you if you go in too eagerly. Um, yeah, it's, it is best to build your eco up to like 60, 70 stars per turn before you go in for battleships hardcore. Maybe one or two flagships, but yeah, you want to... Obviously, don't just spam out boats. Make some defenders and, uh, you know, maybe be a little selective about how many you put in the water because you want to turn each and every one of those guys into ships unless you're under attack, in which case, sure, maybe a a meat shield made out of uh, defender boats is precisely what's called for. <laughs> so, That's yeah. about all I got. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Zinzi, they're uh... They're fairly versatile. Uh, again, if you want to know why would I choose Zinzi, it's because I want to expand, but I don't want to just be some blind horsey boy chipping away in the middle of the desert. So uh, you go for mountains, so you can snipe away at villages, so you can explore the whole map with actual purpose and intent, instead of uh, the myriad wanderings in the desert of a lost uh, lost raider. So... Uh. Thanks for joining us on our conversation about Zin Z today. Uh, <laughs> until next time, friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. In our next episode, we're going to take a look at tips and tricks, gameplay mechanics, and general advice for new players. So if you're fresh to the scene or are interested in stepping up your gameplay, tune in.